I ask you to join me in the book of Haggai once again. We'll be back in Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. Well, we're going to look together verses 10 through 19. This is the third message that the prophet Haggai has delivered to the people. Let me read to you this message that the Lord gave to him to declare to the people of God in Haggai's day. It says, On the 24th of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priest for a ruling. If a man carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches bread with this fold or cooked food, wine, oil, or any other food, will it become holy? And the priest answered, No. Then Haggai said, If one who is unclean from a corpse touches any of these, will the latter become unclean? And the priest answered, It will become unclean. Then Haggai said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. But now, do consider from this day onward, before one stone was placed on another in the temple of the Lord. From that time when one came to a grain heap of twenty measures, there would be only ten. And when one came to the wine vat to draw fifty measures, there would be only twenty. I smote you in every work of your hands with blasting wind, mildew, and hail. Yet you did not come back to me, declares the Lord. Do consider from this day onward, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, from the day when the temple of the Lord was founded, consider. Is the seed still in the barn, even including the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree? It has not borne fruit, yet from this day on, I will bless you. Beloved, as we come to this text this morning, there are two very important truths that the Lord God was wanting to teach his people about in regards to sin. He was wanting to teach them or really remind them that sin is contagious. The contagiousness of sin. But secondly, we're going to see, he was wanting to remind them again of his chastening for sin. That the consequences of sin in our life as believers is that it brings the chastening hand of God upon us. But God is going to be teaching this to his people here and thus teaching us here today these principles about sin so that they would continue on the path of obedience. The Lord God is teaching them this to the people of God through the prophet Haggai here to motivate them to continue to stay on the path of obedience in their life. That is, obedience to the will of God, the Word of God. As we know, as we have gone through this section of Scripture thus far, in chapter 1 and the first nine verses of chapter 2, that the people have repented and they have started back on the path to obedience. In fact, when this word is delivered here in verse 10 that we read about, 
It is now exactly three months since they began on the path of rebuilding the temple because we're told there in verse 10 that this message was delivered to God by God to Haggai to the people on the 24th of the ninth month. If we go back to chapter 1 and verse 15, we see that they began to obey what the Lord had to say on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. So three months have now gone by and the people are still faithfully obeying the word of God and what he sent them there to do. The work is coming along. Now the work is coming along slowly. But they are doing what it is that the Lord had called on them to do. And what that's interesting to think about because just three months prior, just three months prior to this, the people were living their daily lives. They were living their weekly lives. And, and they were, this was a hard-working group of people. They were going to work every day the way they should. And not only that, the people were still worshiping God. These people were not abandoning their responsibility to come and present offerings to the Lord. They were doing that. They were not abandoning their responsibility to be hard workers. They were doing that as well in their life personally. So these were people that just three months prior to when Haggai delivered his first message, they were hard-working people in their personal life, and they were also religious people that were coming and worshiping God. Yet, there was a major area of sin in their life where they were walking in open rebellion and disobedience to God and to his word and to his will and what he had sent them there to do. And that was the rebuilding, the finishing of the rebuilding of the temple. And what we saw in chapter 1 was, why was it that they had stopped doing that? It's because they got discouraged, then they got distracted by other priorities in their life. They got consumed with their own work. They got consumed with their own uh, purposes and agendas that they forgot about God's. Even though they were coming there and worshiping God, they were doing it with a major blind spot in their life. A blind spot of sin in their life. And apparently over these 16 years, from whenever they laid the foundation and they built an altar and then they stopped. And remember, 16 years go by. And over those 16 years, apparently, the priests of their day, the ones that were responsible to teach them the word of God and to think through their life and think through things for them and, and bring God's word to bear on it, that they were not addressing this with the people. So the people could come there comfortably and just worship God, offer their offerings, and go back to their, their homes, go back to their life, go to work every day, and do all of those things, then come back and gather again for worship and think that God was pleased with them and what it is they were doing, when in fact, he was not. He was not pleased with it at all because of the blind spot of sin that was there in their life. And so that's what God first addresses with them 
in chapter 1. And thankfully, the people responded with reverence and obedience to God and His Word. But the people in Haggai's day are just like us. One, we can have blind spots in our life. We can have areas in our life that we're going to see whereby we, we know that we are just living in sin. We know we are not, that is, we know that we are not submitting this area of our life to the Lordship of Christ. We're not submitting this area of our life to the Word of God. And yet we go and work, and we come and gather weekly to worship, and we think as we do this that God is just pleased and satisfied with what we're doing. And God is going to remind them as we go through this that he wasn't, and that's why it had to be addressed in their life. Not only that, the people in Haggai's day were just like us. That is, they can start out well. You hear the word of God and God's word grips your heart. And in reverence, you respond in obedience to that word. But as time goes on, there is a temptation that is there to begin to slip back into our old ways of thinking and living. And this is why God delivers this message through Haggai the prophet for the people on this day because he wants to help them to prevent them from this happening. So he's just going to remind them through these lessons he's teaching them of just how contagious sin was in their life and just also about the consequences of the chastening of God for their sin. And again, he's doing that to motivate them to stay on the path of obedience. Don't get off. Stay with it. Keep moving forward. Now let's just look first at how he teaches them about the contagiousness of sin. That is how sin contaminates our life. We have a tendency, or people can have a tendency, to want to compartmentalize their life and say, I have this area over here, I have this area here, I have this area here, and I have this area here. In these three areas, I am walking in obedience to God's will and what His Word says. But in this area right here, I'm choosing to live that the way I want to live it. And we think somehow that will not impact those other areas in our life, but it does. And not only that, we're going to see when we're thinking about the contagiousness of sin, is this, that our lives have an impact on everyone else sitting in this sanctuary. Your life has an impact on everyone else, especially when it comes to sin. This is what he wants to get across to them. That sin in one area of our life can have an effect on contaminating other areas of our lives. And here's how he teaches that. In verse 11, he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priest for a ruling. The reason, again, they turned to the priest is because the priest had the responsibility of interpreting the law, interpreting the word of God. 
turn to the person who had that responsibility, that job, that gifting, that skill to read and understand and interpret what God's word says. So he says, go and ask them this question. If a man carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches bread with this fold or cook food, wine, oil, or any other food, will it become holy? And the priests answer, and they answer rightly. You go back and you read in the law of God, and there's nothing there that would teach them that just because of the food touched this, if it's wrapped up like this, it would cause those other things that it touched to become holy. So the priests answer correctly and say, no. Then Haggai said, well, if one is unclean from a corpse and touches any of these, will the latter become unclean? And the priests then answer, and they answer correctly, because you could go back to Leviticus 22, Numbers 19, and you would see that if someone touched an unclean, touched a, a dead body, then if they touched someone or something else, whatever it is they touched became unclean. So they answer correctly and they say, it will become unclean. What's what's God trying to get across to the people here? He's trying to get them to see this, that a person's holiness, a person's moral cleanness is not transferred to other people. But understand, beloved, your sin can be contagious and caught by others. Think about it like this. If I am in good health, I cannot give you my good health. I can be around you all I want, but no way does my good health rub off on you and somehow you become healthier because you're you're beside me. But if I'm sick and I'm by you, you can catch what I have and you can become sick, though you were healthy. So now I have come along and contaminated you with what it is that I have. This is what he's trying to get across to them. He's reminding them this. He said, well, why would that be? Because you got to remember something, beloved. We are by nature Sinners, we are inclined naturally towards sin. So it is easy for us to get caught up with the sin of others and what is transpiring, what is taking place. So God is wanting them to see that sin in one area of their life does have an effect on other areas of their life. It can contaminate those other areas. And not only that, it can contaminate others. So the motivation is stay on the path of obedience. Don't drift. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Stay right on the path of obedience out of love for God. Maybe another way to think about it. If you... If we had a, if I had this cup of water, and this water is clean, I got it out of our jug back there in the back, and it's as clean as it can be. But if someone comes and pours dirty water into it, it now has contaminated this clean water. But if I had a cup of dirty water here, and I brought in a clean cup of water and poured it into that, would that make it clean? No. 
It wouldn't. And that's the point of what he's trying to to get across to them. And this is why he says this has affected everything about you when you were doing this. He's wanting to remember now. He's saying, remember back all these years. Remember back. That's why he says, he applies this to them in verse 14. When he says, then Haggai says, so is this people. And so is this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so is every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. He said, though you were going out and working like you were supposed to work, you were gathering the worship in the sense the way you were supposed to worship. You built an altar and you were coming to worship me. When he says everything everything you offered up to me was unclean. I saw it as unclean. Why? Because you had this sin in your life that you were not dealing with. And so it, it had an impact. It contaminated your work in my sight and it contaminated your worship in my sight. Everything about you and what you were doing was unclean to me because you were just walking in rebellion to me in this area in your life. Personally and as a people. Notice, he's applying this not just to them personally, but he's saying as a people, as a nation, you were unclean to me. Though you were working and worshiping, everything you were doing was unclean to me. And that's why it is important that personally, beloved, to recognize that God wants all of us. He wants every area of our life. It's it's not saying that we're going to be perfect people, and if we're not perfect people, then God sees us as as unclean in that sense. No. What I'm saying to you is, and what God's trying to get across to them, to motivate them to, to keep obeying God's word is, he's saying God wants your whole life in submission to him, in submission to his word, in submission to his will. Well, that's how we come to Christ for salvation. That's the gospel in this sense. The gospel call, remember what what did Jesus, when he offered the gospel to the, the people of his day, he says, do you want to be my disciple? Do you want to have the forgiveness of your sins? And do you want to become a follower of mine? That's a call to salvation. He says, well, if you want to be my disciple, he says, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross. You got to be willing to lose your life. You have to be willing to lose all your possessions. You got to be willing to lose even anyone in your family. You have to come to me on those terms of surrendering to my lordship. Beloved, if that's what you need to do today, And I would beg you, I would plead with you to come to Christ because Christ also said, come to me because my yoke is easy. My burden will be light. That is because God's not going to be asking you to live life in your own strength. He's saying, I will forgive you of all your sins. I don't care what your sins are, where you've been, what you've done. I will forgive you of all your sins. And not only that, I will give you my spirit that will live inside of you, that will help you to walk in obedience to me. I will be there for you. Just 
Just call out to me. Come to me. Seek me for the forgiveness of your sins and confess me as the Lord of your life. If you will believe in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and confess him as Lord, then God will save you. And he will forgive you of all of your sins. But if someone says, well, look, I, I will believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and I will believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day and I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to confess Jesus as my Lord, then please understand, God's not going to save you. He's not going to forgive you on those terms. He forgives you on the terms of surrendering to the Lordship of Christ and full faith in Him and His life, His death, and His resurrection. But when you do that, beloved, He does forgive you and cleanse you. But even as forgiven people, under the Lordship of Christ, we still struggle with sin. Which means we still struggle with wanting to live sometimes in some ways, in some areas of our life outside of the Lordship of Christ. And what God is teaching us here today is He's reminding us He wants all of us, all of who we are, every area of our life. Every area of our life. Because when we don't understand, it contaminates the other areas as well. Think about what, this is, not, this is taught throughout Scripture. Over in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. When we choose to associate with those that are going to be pulling us away from God, pulling us away from Christ, pulling us away from the devotion to Christ, it can contaminate us. It corrupts us. This is what the prophet Haggai is teaching the people. I have sadly have seen this more and more here, especially in our day. Where recently I have seen men that were very sound preachers and teachers of the Word of God begin to associate with those that are very unsound, even some outright heresies, heretical teachers beginning to associate with them. And here's what eventually happens. And here's what you see happening. There's, it doesn't influence those that are out here outside of the scope of Christ to come in and get things right. What you end up seeing is those men drifting more and more towards those that they're associating with that are bad company. They're drifting towards them. It's not the other way around. And this can happen in our life as well, where we can drift towards others instead of having those drifting towards us. We see this on a personal level. We can see this even on a corporate level. How our sin has an impact on other people. How it can contaminate things as a whole. 
The Apostle Paul teaches this plainly and clearly in 1 Corinthians 5 where there is immorality there in the church that has not been dealt with and he reminds them that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little leaven's going to contaminate everything there. And he's saying, look, you, you've got to then deal with this. You, you, can't, you can't act like this is not going to have an effect on everyone and everything going on there. He says, you have to deal with this. I may have used this illustration before, but it's, it's similar to when I was in, in college and in, uh, at Louisiana College and playing baseball there. And we were traveling and we had gone up, I think we had gone up, it was Northwestern. We played Northwestern and we're getting ready to come home and it was late. So sometimes uh, the, the cafeteria would provide meals for us and they'd put them in these little brown boxes to keep them warm. And so they pull it out and we're getting ready to eat. And as soon as they pulled it out, one of the first pieces of meat that they brought out I'm not lying to you, it had a maggot in it. Now, do you think I was going to eat any other piece of meat that was in that pan? No way. It had contaminated, though none of the other pieces of meat had a maggot in it. It had contaminated the whole pan, at least in my eyes. And there were some guys who ate it, but I, I look, I could wait for an hour or so drive back home and go to McDonald's or something and get me some, something to eat. That, that's the point of what he's trying to say. It can contaminate all. It has an impact on others. Go back to the Old Testament. Go back to Joshua and Joshua chapter 7. After the people had, had, had been given this wonderful victory over the city of Jericho, right after that, they go to a little small community and they lose. They get defeated royally. Why? Because... Not because the whole group had done something wrong, but because one man and his family had done something wrong by the name of Achan. Achan had taken some things that God said from the, that were banned from them to take from the spoils of their victory in Jericho. And when he did that, God brought defeat on the whole group because of it until they dealt with Achan. So God is teaching this here and what we're looking at and what he says to them that he's reminding them that this people and this nation, this group and every work and everything they offered in worship was being contaminated because of their disobedience in this other area of rebuilding the temple. So just remember that, beloved, and let that motivate you to get honest before the Lord, to deal with sin in your life, to deal with sin in the body of Christ, because it is contaminating, contagious, and affecting others. But secondly, as we drop our eyes back to Haggai chapter 2, we see there also, he begins in verse 15, really down through verse 19, of reminding them again, not just of the contagiousness of sin, but of the really of the consequences of sin. That is the chastening of God for sin. God wants to remind them of that one more time here, again, to motivate them to stay on the path of obedience. He says, but now do consider from this day onward. 
before one stone was placed on another in the temple of the Lord, from that time when one came to a grain heap of 20 measures, there would be only 10. And when one came to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there would be only 20. He's saying, remember before you started back in obedience to me, remember how things were. That no matter how hard you worked, and no matter that how often you came here to worship, there were consequences for your sin. There were consequences for your sin of not obeying me in rebuilding the temple. You were not producing as you were expecting to produce. And the problem was not because of their technique of planting the seed. The problem was not because they were not being creative enough and taking enough initiative. It wasn't because the people weren't working hard. It wasn't, it wasn't because of any of those things. It was all because of God. God was chastening them. And that's what he's reminding them, saying, stay on the path of obedience here. He goes on to say there, verse, verse 17, I smote you. And notice, I smote every word of your hands. Every work of your hands with blasting wind, mildew, and hail. Why was God doing that? For them to repent. He says, yet you did not come back to me declares the Lord. They were under the chastening hand of God, the loving, disciplining, chastening hand of God in their life and as a people because they were walking in disobedience to God. And God is just reminding them of this, that as they move forward, they needed to remember that. They needed to remember what happened and why it happened. It happened because God was chastening them. You see, until that point, they just thought, they just kept doing what they were doing. That hopefully, some point, someday, things would change. Things would turn around for them. The crops would be bigger. More wine would be produced. We just can just stay with it, stay at it. But the problem is, beloved, it wasn't any of those things. It was because they were working against the will of God. And no matter what they did, their only path to that changing was actually repenting of their sin. It didn't matter how much more they did. Beloved, that applies for us as well. You see, for them, no matter how hard they worked, no matter what new technology or technique they could come up with to grow crops better, to produce better, it was not going to produce any more for them because none of those things were the problem. The problem was their sin. And their problem was with God. And God was applying his chastening hand upon them to bring them to repentance. And you see, beloved, that can apply for us as well. 
personally and even corporately as a church. I mean, really, the, the people, again, the, the effects of what was going on here should not have been something that they didn't understand. Because again, God had already promised them back in His Word that if you choose to disobey me and you choose to go to the left or go to the right and not stay on the path of obedience, one of the consequences will be is I will bring my chastening hand down upon you. And one of the things he expressed to them is that the way I will chasten you is, is just exactly the way that he says he did here. See, that's where the priest should have been examining their situation, examining their circumstances year after year after year and what was going on. They should have stopped and said, let's go back and think through what the Bible's teaching us. What what is God's word saying about this? Is, Is there something that we need to address in our heart and in our life? And if they would have done that, they didn't stop. As he says there, consider from this day forward. See, they weren't considering. That is, they weren't reflecting on their circumstances and their situations according to the word of God. And God finally just got direct with them, raised up a prophet and said, hear me, you're in sin. You're disobeying me. And I want you to stop and do what I sent you here to do. And when God did that, thankfully they responded in obedience. They responded in obedience. And see, the reason why God would raise this message up right here and right now at this time for them is because when you read the rest of this passage, When he says there in verse 28, do consider from this day onward, that is moving forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day when the temple of the Lord was founded, consider. Is the seed still in the barn, even including the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree? It has not borne fruit. That is... It's not time for a harvest yet. So you're just going to have to trust me. Trust me that if you walk in obedience to me here, I'm going to bless you as I promised I would bless you back in the word of God that has already been revealed to you. You're going to have to trust me. You see, because at this point, They've seen no difference. They have seen no difference. That is, for three months, they've been walking in obedience to God and they've seen no difference in the sense of there's been nothing more produced for them. So they could be questioning whether or not they should even continue down this path. And God is saying, stay with me. Just stay with me. Trust me, when the harvest time comes, I will bless you. And there will bear fruit. It will bear fruit. But right now, you just have to trust me. And just remember the consequences if you don't. 
if you choose not to stay on this path of obedience. And beloved, that, that, that's, it's hard sometimes. It is. It is hard. It is hard sometimes when God's Word addresses something in our life and we start on that path to obedience. We repent of it. We know we were wrong about it. And we start to do what's right. And we start going down that, the right path now and doing the things that we should do. But as we're doing that, we're, we're, we're still not just seeing a whole lot coming of it. And it can cause us to say, you know, maybe, maybe I just need to get back off this path. Don't do that. Just trust God. Trust Him. Trust Him to bless you as He would see fit to bless you. Now, He may bless you by carrying you through the trial even longer and more so that you see how faithful He is to come through on the other side. But whatever it is, just walk in obedience to Him. Surrender to Him. And trust Him at His Word for your life personally. For our life as a church. To walk in obedience to Him. This is an encouragement. Stay off the path of sin. Stay on the path of submission to God's Word. Stay in submission to the Lordship of Christ. I want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment.